Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flex Working. This is a one-off edition of Jobs World. Normally, the first Wednesday of every month, I facilitate a session called Jobs World, where I help people with their resumes, cover letters, interviews, if you've got a job interview coming up, anything jobs related. This week, it's Flex Working, where I'm going to be talking about different ways of working. And this is really for people who feel like they can't work or they definitely can't work, either for health issues, care responsibilities, finance, anything to do with why working is difficult and also why being tied down to a schedule is difficult. So I'm going to be covering a few things before questions. I'm going to be talking about the traditional working model, both the sort of physical in-person stuff and also how financial remuneration will work. And then how some of these ideas have changed over time especially over the last few years. And then after that, I'll be asking for questions. It's great to see so many of you here. And before I do any of that, Twinkling Tori is going to give us the gen on how to mute, unmute, raise hands, etc. Tori, off you go. Okay, first of all, I'd like to remind you that this call is being recorded for safety and security purposes. So you will need to press that got it button before you can participate. And if you would like to be able to participate, then if you are on a PC, you will use Alt-Y to raise your hand and Alt-A to mute and unmute. If you are on a Mac, it is Option-Y to raise your hand and Command-Shift-A to mute and unmute. If you are on a smartphone or other smart device, you will find the raise hand option under More, which is on the lower right hand of your screen. And you will find mute and unmute option on the lower left hand of your screen or thereabouts, depending on if it moves on you. And if you are on a keypad type telephone, you will use star nine to raise your hand and star six to mute and unmute. Okay, thanks, Tori. Um, so, yes, as I said earlier, there will be time for questions after I've finished spouting on um, you can raise your hands during my initial talk thingy but hold questions till I finish yakking and then we'll dis discuss all the nitty-gritty details about your personal situations and this is being streamed so if you have various questions to keep the sort of personally identifying things to to a minimum with um, if that's possible so with that, I will get started. So the traditional working model, as we know, it is a sort of five days a week, nine to five system, refer to the Dolly Parton song if you need any info on that. So nine in the morning, work starts, five in the afternoon, we leave. And in real terms, that means arriving at quarter past, maybe half past eight latest to then actually start the job at nine o'clock and then you've got your lunch breaks and, and so on and so forth. So it is a grueling day. You've got eight hours a day of, of doing what you need to do and then arriving home very tired and exhausted. And then that time is money format has been the traditional way of working as well. A time is money 
as in dollars per hour. So you do an hour's work and you get remunerated for that actual hour of your actual time, regardless of the results you produce, which is why sometimes productivity can go up or down because money isn't actually tied to productivity. Now, in some jobs it is, but we're looking at the traditional model first. So we've got the nine to five working, we've got the dollars per hour, and then we've got the payment system each week or every two weeks or even once a month. And that is based on what you actually do. And some jobs are better than others at measuring the productivity either in the office or elsewhere, because even in that traditional format, you have office-based work, you have work that requires you to travel various distances, and you have jobs that have a session of the two. So you might have two or three days in the office, two days on the road, so to speak, whether you're driven or you drive yourself or wherever that looks with your chosen mode of transport. And then you need to add on if your mobility style is slightly different and you use the public transport or walk or a combination of those, then it is even longer. So that's the traditional model and that's how it has been for an awfully long time. And then some other ideas have started to creep in like flexible working where people have had one day at home per week, for example, or even two, you've got job shares. So you've got that five day a week format, but one person does two days, the other one does three, or you've got a two and a half, two and a half setup. But that was quite a bit rarer than what we have seen in the last few years. I don't need to remind anyone what happened at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, and the world and his wife shifted overnight to a working from home format. And some jobs are suited to that better than other jobs. So jobs that require repetitive tasks, for example, and I'm thinking of data entry, typing, call center, inbound and outbound sorts of jobs and writing jobs, as well as other less traditional ways of working out, which could include this public speaking aspect, and writing books and all sorts of other things like that and working in other people's homes even with the health aspect that we had to take into account so I'm thinking of joiners plumbers all those kinds of activities and the hospitality industry retail and all of those did take a dive but then we had a lot of shift into takeaway foods and all some of these other things going into a delivery format and that opened a job market that had been previously understaffed and it still is understaffed because of various issues that haven't gone anywhere and and different things around the world but that isn't open to us as disabled people so I'm talking about the sort of drivers and delivery drivers and that kind of thing which is something that we can't do so Looking at the remote working aspect, and within this, I'm still talking about the traditional dollars per hour setup. The remote working did help us establish a level playing field because everyone was working from home. Systems had to be upgraded overnight and and all sorts of other things had to be done. And then discussions could be had with various employers about 
how to integrate different ideas within their technology systems so that we could operate them smoothly. And we had to do that before, but because it was a worldwide issue, it was suddenly much easier to have those conversations with people, whether it was looking at information in studios or in person and doing small scale things in person. And if it, if it took more time to get somewhere, people were generally more understanding. So looking at other ways of being paid, we've got the dollars per hour system. We've also got a piecemeal format where you are paid for what you actually do. And I apologize for the dog noises. They're my dogs. You're paying for what you actually do instead of being paid for the time you do it in. And this is where if you are a person who is unable to commit to that eight hours a day, five days a week format for either health issues, you're in out of hospital, or you're like me, you're a performer and you need time off to audition for things and can't be tied down to an actual schedule, then that is a useful system to have. Now, the, the downside to some of these things, when you're looking at ideas like commission-only sales, where if you make a sale, you make loads of money, and if you don't sell anything that you get nothing, then that is quite a risky business. But what I'm actually talking about in terms of piece rate, this comes back to some of the more sedentary jobs like writing, where you're paid for an article or you're paid for an issue of a magazine or you're paid for producing a product, regardless of the time you have to do it in. So you're given a deadline and as long as you fit within that, then you can have as many hospital appointments or irregular sleeping habits or whatever it is you may have to do looking after your kids as possible, as long as you get whatever it is done by that end point. And then you get paid for what you have actually done. And sometimes people were doing that in offices because it was just easier in terms of family commitments and everything. It can be quite fraught at home or noisy or whatever. And, and doing some of these things in an office, in a library, in, in a work environment would help. But with the working from home stuff, that had to go. And it was a lot easier to maintain a quieter work environment in your chosen workspace. And I say that guardedly because children have their own timetable. But so the piece rate is a good idea in that sense. And coming back to productivity, if you have a job at the moment and you're finding the commute difficult to undertake on a day-to-day -day basis, if you're like myself, mobility is definitely very low on the skill set and traveling anywhere is an ordeal. And you might want to make a case for your moving away from the standard format and working from home then you will want to make a case for that by looking at your productivity metrics, how long it takes you to carry out certain tasks, what you can do to improve your speed, as long as you're not compromising on things like accuracy or flair and style and all those kinds of things. And as I said earlier, some jobs are easier than others to monitor for that. And I come back to the repetitive task type jobs like the call center things, especially when you have software that is logging what you're doing. So it doesn't have to be something as interesting, quote unquote, and grueling as, as a call center. It can be anything that has 
a set of software that monitors what you're doing and when you're doing it. So you're logging in at a certain time and you're doing what you've been asked to do and then you log out at a certain time and it will monitor what you've been doing. And then you can make a log separately of your productivity. So I'll use myself as an example, not because I like talking about myself, but because it might be useful to you if you're listening to this. So the job I'll take as the example is my radio presenting job. So up until March 2020, I was recording my radio show in a studio in central London. So it was a three hour round trip from where I live, where I live outside London, England, UK. It's an hour and a half in, an hour and a half back. And that was with a modest amount of traffic if it's a bit longer than, than it is. But on average, it was a three hour round trip. So that's nearly, nearly half a day's work gone. Then in the studio, I had four and a half hours of time. So there's no cushy things like breaks or lunch breaks or any of that. And that was my own choice, I, I might add, um, because I just thought it was wasting studio time sitting there eating when I had such a long commute home, I could eat lunch anyway. So four and a half hours, and most of the time I would record a month's worth of shows. So it's one show a week, that's four hours of stuff in four and a half hours of time. And my personal best was seven, which averaged out about five to six. So in four and a half hours of time, you've got five things done. When I was working from home, and it was sort of forced on me, but I was I was quite happy with it. That went down to zero hours commute. And I was spending two hours recording. And in the two hours recording, average, so sometimes even more than this, but an average of eight shows produced. So we've doubled our productivity and more than halved the time spent. So I was able to come back to my management rather than seeing and going, I, I don't actually want to go back to the studio now because I can't be bothered and I just want to get out of my bed and record and then go back to bed, which is exactly what I did at the time. I didn't say that to management. What I said to management is what I just said to you there, whereas I got zero commutes, so I'm not spending as much time doing that. I am able to double my productivity in half the time spent not that they were paying me per hour they were paying me for the actual product so in a sense it didn't really matter to them much but the case I was making was that I could record more shows in half the time which means I could spend more time recording shows and bring the stuff to them earlier than the deadlines and they always like the content earlier than they actually say so for example with the Christmas and New Year specialist shows which air at the end of December they always like those recorded so not just written and research and everything but recorded by December the 1st so it's about finding what your employer wants from you they didn't really care that I can do everything in less time what does it matter to them it's my time but what they do care about is me producing things on time or earlier and then producing more content and as such because my show is a specialist classical music show and the bulk of the music they put out is is the sort of 60s, 70s, 80s, noughties sort of music. And my show is a specialist show. And one of their key competitors is a classical radio station. What they want is more content. So I can produce more content because I'm spending less time creating the content that is a bare minimum. So finding the employer's lever 
and then making a good case for what you want is what you need to do. And it might not necessarily be a deadline thing. Their lever might be a productivity issue. So they might be perfectly happy for you to do more in less time if they can see that you're doing that. Because there are various programs that have talked about the work from home trappings, you know, the bed, the TV and the fridge. So your employer's worst nightmare is that they're pumping out the sort of dollars per hour money while you are sitting there between your bed, your TV and your fridge and not actually doing anything and then doing the bare minimum and making it look like you're doing more stuff. So making a case for yourself, if you have a job or are getting the job in and want to tweak the parameters, even a volunteer job, I say even, do not discount volunteering, but work for organizations like the Samaritans or similar, where it will actually say on, on the website, you know, that you need to be in branch. You can make a case for yourself doing it from home if you present it clearly and articulately. So let's move away from some of the traditional jobs where you've got the rapid repeat tasks or data entry and things. And I want to talk a little bit about working with animals and children, where it's difficult to do things from your own home, but you will need to do things in other people's homes, just because I'm aware of, of some of the audience will have, have had experience with doing things like this. And what you will need to do, because sometimes you need to make a case for the employer paying for things that they wouldn't necessarily need to pay for with an able-bodied employee or even an employee with a different disability from yours. And I'm thinking of transport costs. And there are things that will help with that in the UK called access to work. And in America, there might be something different. But um, the point I'm trying to make is the employer will still have to fund some of it, even if there is a government scheme to help you. And you might need to make a case for that. And again, how you do that is an articulate way of laying out the benefits to the employer that you will be producing for them more staff, less time, or whatever it is that is the draw for you. But you find the lever that the employer has for what they're doing. And then I want to talk about the differences because there are various websites that talk about flexible working or home working and things like that and there's the terminology that may be confusing because there is a difference between working from home home based and remote so remote is the safest to assume that it is a virtual job as in not that it's a job in virtual reality but it's actually a job where you are doing things and your head office, the people you report to, are in a different location from your good self. So you can automatically assume that remote will mean what it actually says on the tin, as in you're sitting here and the management are somewhere else. But you do want to look at, I say the small print, you know, prints all the same size to us because we're just listening to it or have it on our braille displays. But you do need to look at the the intricate details in the job description because it might say you know travel to meetings required or must be in such and such a state i'm thinking of flex jobs when i say that because it does say that a lot even when it says working from home whatever so that's remote working from home and home based might look like 
you don't have to clock into a specific office at a specific time, but you will still need to travel. And I'm talking about some of these on the road type jobs where, especially when you are looking at, I don't know, daycare. So you're working in daycare or you're in a bakery or something like that, where you have to maybe make the goods yourself, but you have to then deliver them to to a premises or something where travel is required. So don't sort of arrow down all the jobs and think, oh, home-based, oh, that's a working from home one, because it might not be. So I'm saying, the point I'm trying to make is read everything scrupulously carefully and, and pay close attention to it all. So that is the bulk of what I have to say about these different things. I was going to look at the differences between sort of passive and active income, but that is really people who want to start their own businesses. So if if anyone wants to ask about that, then feel free. But uh, that's all I've got to say for the moment. Are there any raised hands? Not yet, but they'll probably start raising them now you've asked. Okay. There you go. Somebody under the name of Coffeehead. Yes, that's me. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed what you have to say today. And um, <laughs> I, I find it interesting that you mentioned flex jobs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's it going to take for them to um, get on the job and make their site more um, screen reader accessible? There's a phrase going around at the moment called vote with your feet. Oh, I voted it's with my keyboard. Uh, with them. <laughs> yeah. And I've and I've let them know that too. I mean, I'm not yeah. looking at the moment. I, I think it's it just it's just it's a matter of people writing to them. And the more people who write to them, I mean, I wrote a course once called Access to Money, where I basically spoke to businesses and drew a line between accessibility and increased profit. So I think if you make a case like that rather than just I can't get on your website, you suck. Like, yeah. do you no, know I that have. you're actually turning business away, that kind of thing? I have. Um, I've told them that, that you know, there's a big constituency here if you're yeah. interested, but, you know. It's, it's about volume. So when I say volume, I mean the, the amount of people saying that. So one person saying that will be a whisper in the wind. Lots of other people need to say that. So if you're listening to this, either live stream slash recording or whatever, and you are, whether you're looking for a job or not, just write to them, let them know that there's a big disabled workforce out there who want to consume their content and who currently feel unable to i i find reading their stuff okay but i've never actually applied for a job because i'm in the uk and a lot of it says must be based in such and such a state which is what i said earlier um, right. but i suppose if i was trying to apply for a job i might run into accessibility issues but that is is a good conversation to have with specific employers so i've applied for different things or tried to and have found the application process inaccessible contacted the employer asked for a, an application word and a lot of them are more than happy to do that and that can be a conversation around your disability and the asset you will be to the company mm-hmm. so you can forge a relationship that way and it's a good sort of acetate marker because if the company says no, because I've had that before, whereas actually, no, we're not, this, this is the application process we have. We're not doing anything. We're not changing anything. And that leads you don't me want to, to think, work for them well, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better yeah. myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. So that, that is the, the answer to the accessibility issue with, with flex jobs and, and other job seeking yeah. websites are available. Slightly. You know, I don't know if there are other hands raised, but I, I want to, and, and so I don't want to talk too much, but I do want to bring up something that 
um, that I find so interesting. So um, I, I'm actually a, a bit overemployed, I guess, at the moment. Um, that sounds nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, sort of. Um, but stressful. One of the <laughs> yes, it is. One of the things that I notice is that there are some intersections between what we look at as blind people or people with, uh, with disabilities in terms of work and what does work mean and how does work get, how does work happen? You know, um, there are intersections between that and this sort of um, new wave of meaningful work movement that's going on um, a lot in Europe. It, it goes on in US as well, but um, it's, it's a lot of European organizations looking at how to, that, that, that work life has just gotten out of hand and, and that it needs to really change. And so how to make work meaningful. And um, so the, the, you know, I look at those things and I, and I say to myself, okay, so we've known this for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, everyone has had a massive dose of life's too short in the last couple of years. Right, you know, over six right. million people have died. And yep. that is a massive wake up call for, for other people who are thinking. Um, I mean, I, I had a moment like this a few years ago when I was doing a call center job, which I don't do anymore. And uh, uh, one of the workers had died and it came up in, in a work meeting where they said so-and-so had had died and they gave this kind of eulogy type thing where they talked about how she had done like 10,000 surveys or something and I just had this sort of is that going to be me moment am I mm-hmm. going to live and die and what they're going to put on my headstone she turned up on time for every shift I want more from my life exactly um, so yeah. so yeah so yeah that meaningful thing that people want more than dollars per hour or even dollars per product. Yeah, so for example, when I look at flex time and I I look at some of the people I know who actually need to have time out of their day to do various things that are related to their disability. And I look at, okay, how is time measured up against productivity and payment and all of that? Sometimes, as I was saying, there's there's software that does that if you are logging into a a work system and that will act literally, that will measure the time. And then the productivity is measured in what you actually produce. If it's the interviews, the letters, the accounts, the the things that you have by the end of the day, you know? And, And so if you don't have software as part of your job that does that, then you need to be writing logs yourself again coming back to myself just not because I want to talk about myself but because it it might be useful you know I had a job where it was sort of um, manual charting and it was basically putting in data for analysis in powerpoints and stuff like that and we had to bill per hour and I knew that it's like you know rewarding people who were just slow and I didn't feel that was particularly fair but I wrote down meticulously what I did and and how long it took me to do it and, and it actually said on the the description at the time and I didn't feel it needed saying and it was a shame as a be honest about your times so it was clearly something that this particular company had issues with um, and I'll go off on on a sidetrack of productivity because sometimes you'll have jobs like audiobook narration just throwing it out there uh, which pay per finished hour so not how long it takes you to record an hour but they will pay you let's say the audiobook is three hours long 
they will pay you for those three hours. Never mind that it might take you a week to produce those three hours, but you're paid for those three hours. Um, and there might be, it might be called something else in America, but it's called zero hours here. Uh, this this side of the world in, in the UK, where you have you are an employee and it's a it's a contract, but it does feel a bit like self employment because you are clocking for the hours that are available. So this week you might have twenty or thirty hours available to you, and then you clocking for those. And next week there might be no work, you know, and 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 certain things like that. And that might it, it suited me down to the ground for a long time, you know, especially when you take a long time out of work then you still have a job to come back to I remember once I was in an opera for six months and a normal nine to five job I wouldn't have had a job to come back to uh, so there's there's a lot of controversy around the zero hours format mm. um, and and in I mean we are by and large us sitting here talking together in in first world countries and in countries that are less developed you know I'm from Zambia originally in Africa and there certainly at that time there was no welfare system and social security payments and all that if you didn't work you didn't get paid and you didn't eat um and and people will go every day to a specific place and ask if there is any work today that is how a lot of that sort of thing mm. works and so the zero hours format is, is, a, is a slick version of that um but but that, that is how it works but coming back to your your point about meaningful yeah work, my, my point with it's, that it's question, more, more about how it, it serves others maybe or so well, no. it's not enough to just be paid money but just to actually be helping people is that what you're asking no 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 so um no the the trend uh right now this meaningful work trend is that you know you don't just show up and and clock in your time right um, you want to get something else out of it. And so it's it's actually elevating work to um, a much more, um, what would you say, uh, a, a much more, um, well, I call it civilized, but whatever. Um, Do you mean work with perks, like vouchers no, or cycle no, to work schemes? We're not getting it. No, no, no. No, um, no, I don't think so. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Anyway, my point was that a lot of what is being discussed in the, the meaningful work circles are things that we as people with disabilities have known for a very long time. And so I wanted to ask you about the intersection of that, but uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it has to do with ethical work and how you treat people and oh, right, all okay. of that. So not, not doing data entry for an oil oh, no, 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 nothing like doing that. data entry for, you know, I don't know, a human rights lawyer. No, um, no, yeah. okay, we're not, I'm not, okay, yeah, thank okay. you. Well, well, thanks anyway. Um, do we have any other raised hands, Tori? We do. Jewel yeah. has her hand raised. Hi, Jewel. Nice to see Hi, you. Sandra. So um, ever since I became blind, I have done nothing but flex work. Um, okay. So I have done six years as a content writer, um, and that was done through a website. So it was like Content Mill, which you got paid mm. for the piece, basically. Yeah. Um, yes. So, you know, the pay wasn't great, but it was very flexible. You could take an article and you had a time limit that could be like two days, four days a week, you know, and any, you could work at any time within that time limit. Um, and I liked that to a point. Um, at a certain point, it got to where the pieces that were available in the pool weren't enough for me because I niched down. 
So then I had to go searching for clients and that can get a little complicated. Now I work on a homestead. Um, I live and work there. Um, So part of my deal is that I pay a lower rent um, and half utilities. And then I get paid mostly in um, goods and in um, service, you know, um, but then I, you know, get a stipend as well. Um, and I find that is like the most enjoyable job I've ever had. Um, okay. because as long as everything gets done each week, I know I can do it at any time in that week. So if, you know, if the weather is great for yard work on Monday and Monday is usually my housework day, which it is, I can do yard work day on Monday and housework another day. Um, okay. and I, you know, I can mix things up uh, like that. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there that, you know, something like that where you live, where you work is really nice. Cause like I've talked to my housemate, uh, Mary, who's also my employer and, you know, asked her, Hey, if I'm mopping the floor in the middle of the night, is that going to bother you? Cause I have non 24. Um, and she said, yes, I'm gosh. the oldest of 10 kids. I have no problem with noises. You're not going to wake me up. If you need to do housework in the middle of the night to, because you can't sleep, go right ahead. So I could be up at midnight or one in the morning mopping the floors and nobody cares. Wow. And I also <laughs> have pain. So, you know, that, that, yeah. It too. yeah. So if I need to slow down, she's like, okay, I know it'll get done. You know? so. Yeah. And, and that, that's a key thing of communicating between right. employer and employee a bit more. Right. Uh, you've got to think more creatively if you are doing things virtually and, and right. schedule meetings and all that kind of thing. So you can, make a case for yourself doing what you need to do when you need to do it and how you need to do it right. um, in, in a way that is a win-win for all parties. Um, if you're living with your employer, I suppose it, it's, it's easy to have impromptu meetings like, like right. that. And every morning and out. every evening we have 30 minutes. We have our morning mud water of coffee substitute and we have 30 minutes. We just sit there and chat and drink our mud water and eat our breakfast. And then in the evening we do a rest tea, which is like the, you know the opposite of the mud water they the same company makes it and right. that's our 30 minutes to um debrief so brief in the morning debrief in the evening that's what we do and that's become a ritual for us so she likes it i like it and we can just sit down and chat and then off she goes to work and off i go to my work yeah and how did you find opportunities like that i'm just thinking for other people listening who might be so, like, yeah look that this up. This opportunity was kind of a miracle for me because before okay. I came here, I was homeless. I had lost my husband in November 2020. I was homeless at the time and I became, I was continued to be homeless until I came here. So it was kind of like, what am I going to do? But I was born and raised in the country. My dad was a chicken farmer, be, you know, among other things. Um, and so we had up to 50 hens at one time and vegetable gardens and stuff. So I knew about gardening and animal care and stuff. So I reached out to um, a group that I'm a part of. It's a medieval group. And it was like, you know, a lot of medieval people, a lot of people in the SCA, that's the group, the cyberpreneurism, a lot of them like to have freedom and have like a homestead or um you know, country place because it's more freedom for. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So and then so I really. So it's more of a way of life it. rather than yeah, as, exactly because I was looking at where the business model was, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah. A, more how it's to more live. It's more of a way of life. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. 
Then I reached out to them and was like, hey, do y'all know anybody? And they put me in touch with a group here in Kentucky where I am. And um, one of the ladies who was connected to that group, um, who is now my employer and and the owner of the property, said, hey, I could really use a housemate and I could really use help with the homestead. I was like, perfect. I can do both. And y'all pay a small rent and, you know, um, in exchange, you know, I get assistance. Um, you know, I, ha- I have a lower rent. My rent's only $300 a month. I mean, it's, it's like nothing for that a living. Extraordinary. You know, what I want. And yeah, she helps me with getting plants and, you know, items I need for caring for the homestead. And it's like, it's wonderful. Yeah. So great. Well, I thanks for letting us know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the opportunity is a harder to find because you're looking for a very specific thing, but farm hand work can also be great. Like I know Mary's mom has a blueberry farm. She will pay by the bucket so you can pick as slow or as fast as you want. And you'll yeah, get and I, I will just, just say that the sort of um, crop picking, fruit picking market mm-hmm. has been um or not market but but uh, staff levels mm. have have depreciated quite a lot yeah. in the last they need few, few years so so th- there are vacancies in work like that if that's work you can do um right. that doesn't affect your um whatever health issues you may have or right. anything else that that might I be couldn't go there for hours to pick blueberries because of my fibromyalgia and hypermobility because of my yeah. chronic pain um, but lots of people can and, you know, do so, but, you know, I do better with the homestead because I know what needs to be done, but it can be done at, you know, whatever time I need. So if I have a day that I cannot work, we know that I'll just pick it up, you know, then another day. Um, yeah. It comes back to that communication with your employer and that's, that's fab info for us all. Thank you for sharing. Um, Sorry. Beth is next. Okay. Hi, Beth. Hello. Hi. I, I Hi. wanted to ask um, that lady, like with the homestead and stuff, I, I believe this is a great call. But how would one find opportunities like that, especially if you don't have accessible uh, technology, you don't have all the yeah, all the technology that's accessible to some people. I, yeah, I so don't if, you, have... if you don't have access to a computer, um, it would be about communicating with people in your community in this sort of public congregational spaces like libraries, like um, your local places of worship, um, like the corner shop and things like that. Do you know, I'm looking for this. Do you know anyone who's looking for, for that? You know, these are my, my skills. Right. I would really like to get out of my community. There's nothing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, could I throw something in there? Yeah. So for homestead and farm work, the best opportunities are found through networking through the farmer's market and uh, other places that farmers are going to be, you know, asking around at the farmer's market. Hey, do you know anybody who needs a farmhand? Do you know anybody who has a homestead and needs, you know, assistance with that? Um, that's you know, there. <laughs> there's always people needing extra assistance. Um, 
even if it's just you know for a couple of weeks temporary work um, yeah I was going to say a lot of that kind of work like the picking of, of of fruit and all of that kind of thing yeah. that is going to be a seasonal thing that yeah. is not going to fund your uh mortgage or whatever um right blueberry it is, that's only yeah, the summer. yeah exactly yeah but, but, but there is other stuff the there's, there's um various harvesting that happens in september as well um i'm thinking potatoes um but <laughs> yeah okay thanks joel thanks beth sorry oh yes i would i would like that um farmer's market huh yeah i think we have one of those here well, if you're able to find somebody who will help you travel outside the community where you are to where there is a farmer's market, and then you could have those conversations with the people who are, are at that, that that might be a strategy for you if you don't have access to, you know, computer and the other tech we were talking about websites. But it, but but um, from from what Jill was saying, it does seem to be a bit of sort of in-person contact and communication right, to find those right. opportunities anyway. Yeah. Or even ask okay. the people at your church. Um, yeah. Okay. People at my church are kind of, I don't know, a lot of them are very elderly and they don't want to work and, and stuff like that. Yeah, but, uh, it, it is it is. Difficult. But I do. So, I'm still young enough to, you know, and they're like, why, why would you want to get a job? Don't you have a check, you know? And um, that's not the way I feel. You know, this is a, yeah. there's a lot of poverty in this state just like there is in some of the other states. Yeah, and it, and it is difficult. It's, a, it's about finding ways to sort of work around some of this stuff that we have oh, to yeah. do, and that we, especially um, when we have a disability and or other issues therein, um, and, and it sounds like some of your issues are more social, um, but again, it's, it's about, you know, trying to find somebody who is prepared to, to transport you to an area just outside your community where there might be a farmer's market or, or something like that, where, where you could have those discussions with other people. Thanks for sharing with us, Beth. You may meet yourself well, again. You. You're welcome. Tori. We do not have any other hands at this time. And it is about 22 the hour. Yes, I did notice that. I was just trying to look through my list of people because anyone who's been to any of my calls will know that I just home in on people if raised hands are like not raised well Jules hands just shot back up so (laughs) okay go for it I also wanted to mention that I'm starting a crafting business so starting your own business is also a great option um you know, I'm going to start with just selling on Etsy and then get a Shopify store eventually. And then I'll have both Shopify and Etsy. Um, and that, you know, that is a quick way. If you know a craft or you want to start a craft, learn your craft and then just start selling whatever you make because, you know, you're making it anyway, just for fun. So, um, yeah, I, I want to, seeing as you brought that up, um, just just make a few comments around um businesses because i am aware that that there's some people like that they say they say business owners are 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 born rather than made and i don't think that's true but sometimes people fall into business when they're not necessarily cut out for it and i'm speaking generally here as opposed to any one in particular because especially if 
if we are we have disability and we found finding a job difficult or we've had jobs and didn't like people we were working for I said well I'll be my own boss then and and people find themselves doing this without having much of a notion of the time and energy it can take and you can find yourself I mean there are times where I work seven days a week and that's a choice I've made to get the things done that I need to get done as a person who works for herself and there are lots of hats you wear so you've got to look after finance and you might need to chase people for finance and you'll need to keep an eye on what's coming in and make sure that what goes out is is smaller than that and that's a, a good idea for personal finance as well as business finance but you've also got to uh, put money aside for tax and things like that and you've got to market yourself the days of build it and they will come are long gone so you do have to push your product your service your whatever it is and market yourself and your business because your your yourself and your business might end up as as one in the same even if you are selling craft products you know the reason why they'll be buying your candlestick as opposed to my candlestick will be something about you that they like the look of sound of whatever of and so you need to be creating marketing materials around that to support the product goods services whatever that you are doing or hoping to produce and that brings me also on to what I wasn't going to cover but I am going to cover it now um is is different types of income streams so I've already talked about dollars per hour which is described in whole or in part as an active income and that could be a one-to-one thing as in you're doing something for or unto somebody else and you're paid for that you could also be in a situation where you are charging a group of people for a thing and you're charging each one of them that one-to-one pricing. So instead of $20 per hour, everyone's paying, I don't know, 10, and there's 10 people, and you've got $100 an hour, which is not, not bad for you. And, and those are different types of active income, and you can throw in sort of value-added things. So let's say, I mean, I used to teach singing because it was easy. Um, if I wanted to do a sort of value-added thing, I could put in you know uh, everyone who's working with me gets a book or something as well as um, and then another type of income is passive income and the basic definition of that is make it once sell it lots so if you think about books if you think about cds and albums because i'm a singer and i i would but think about a physical thing that you make once or create it once obviously you know reprints or repressings of things have to be done but essentially or or you've done a digital product especially with the digital rather than the physical product you have created the course or whatever it is once and then you put it on a website or whatever it is and sell it lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of times and you still have to put time in. So I personally don't think you could class that as passive income because the strict definition of passive income is that you do something once and then it sort of sells itself. Because you have to do a lot of marketing and things around that to 
put it in front of people so that they buy it lots and lots of times. Um, it is a sort of maybe a class as hybrid. Uh, and then you can have a sort of hybrid format where you've got active and passive all in one thing. So let's say, you know, I'm teaching you something or you've got Jill and doing her stuff per hour and selling this person a book on gardening on the side. Um, so, so that is passive slash passive income. Acid. And we do have another, ha- we do have another hand. Income. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's the end of what I was going to say there. I was just recapitulating it. Go for it. Chanel. Hi, Chanel. Hello. So um, I was, first of all, this is a good discussion, but I, since you do a lot of audio production, I'm wondering if, I mean, if this is kind of off topic, that's fine, but is there sort of a standard that's supposed to be set for reading audiobooks and the best mic that you're supposed to have? Like, I, is it better to use a full dynamic range mic or is a headset uh, like this one okay? Um, and is okay. that maybe that's too you're, specific? But um. yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. It is massively off topic. But I will I will answer that anyway. Okay. Um, be, before I answer that, and you might need to remind me of the question. I want to just um, go back to finance um, because you were talking about audio production there, and, and I spoke about um, being paid for finished hour. Uh, but you can also be paid as a sort of royalty shares agreement, that is something that you will see on different audio productions, not so much with commercials, but I'll I'll talk about that as well. Um, With audio books, it will be more common than with a voiceover for an advert or a course, because you've got things the other end, you know, you've written your course and you want people to buy it and you might want an audio course, you might want someone else to read it. You could also read it for nothing yourself and just have a value added thing, or you could pay someone else to read it. And you might pay per finished hour or per audio minute. So your Chanel, from your point of view, you would be recording the course, that audio book, whatever, and you would be paid for the finished product as in this is a three hour or 10 hour course and once you have produced it with whatever equipment you like um, then you'll be paid for the finished three hours 10 hours 20 hours of stuff that is the pfh rate as in 50 80 100 pfh per, per finished hour um now the other thing is royalty share and our host will know all about this can't say anything about it because she's our host but um so that is where you as the narrator of the audiobook will not be paid for your time or for the finished product but you will be paid on a profit share basis and that will be done as a percentage agreed between yourself Chanel or anyone else and the uh, the rest of the production team so the whole production team might be paid uh, this way of royalty share and that basically means that the book is sold and total the, the sort of totaling sales the profits from that will be split between all the parties and it's I was going to say 50 50 but that is very 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 unlikely it's more like a 60 40 80 20 90 10 uh but but 
and, and that is how it works. So, so how the book sells, you will be of key interest to you as the narrator if you are being paid in a royalty share agreement, uh, because how much it sells will determine how much you get paid. So obviously, if the author you're working for turns out to be J.K. Rowling II, you are on the gravy boat for the rest of your life. If not, then you are looking at that as a sort of passion project because you will not get paid tons of money it will be like you know I mean my mom said to me once because I wanted to write an album that you'd make more money selling t-shirts and I thought you're just saying that because you don't want me to do it but I actually looked up the costs thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars it doesn't actually matter what the currency is thousands and thousands and thousands into making it and then more thousands into marketing it and then if I was abundantly blessed I may get all of that back but it is unlikely to get all of it back let alone um you know make a massive profit because the massive profit is in volume as in lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of sales so that is what that is to answer your question Chanel about and I actually equipment yeah and I did think of something else that did relate more to flux work which I was going to say earlier but I forgot but go ahead with this one (laughs) right so microphones headphones and all that kind of thing I did do um some sessions on this last year um and I might do one again later on in the year if if enough people ask for it um because that is quite a detailed uh issue but condenser microphones are recording microphones dynamic microphones are live microphones if you are live on stage use a dynamic microphone if you are recording from home use a condenser microphone because the uh, signal level received will be put through the recording equipment of your choice at a higher volume level and a lower noise floor from the microphone that is the short answer to your question are headsets condensers then are they no they're open they're open back or closed back Um, open back uh, closed back sorry is less bleed as in if um if we're talking or or you're recording and you want to hear yourself in your headphones or you want to sort of layer things for tracks and things there'll be less bleed into your microphone um there'll be more pressure on your actual ears from things like that because it's trying to seal in and everything open back is is better for listening back um in your control space for for different things and because it might be a flat reference sound but i'm not going to say any more about that okay because this is flex working not yes. recording and artists what i want have six minutes left so. oh okay um so, yeah i've kind of changed my mind about sort of um hour and a half thing because i i do think that the the um powers that be who actually books an hour and a half got it right and and i didn't um so yeah um yeah ask your other question oh me yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think sort of what I do for ACB is a bit of flex work because I technically, there are certain times every day I have to be involved and also for teaching my class, but then there's other like flexibility. I mean, right now it's all volunteer, but maybe I could still market that someday. The fact that, hey, I can still show up at a certain job, but I also, you know, or a certain time, but I also am hope you know good at getting projects done in a timely manner that's all I was uh, thinking about 
so yeah and and so you've got demonstrable proof of not having to be micromanaged because right. if you want to make a case for your remote working as I was coming back to you know the bed the tv and the fridge um where you can prove that you can resist those things and still get everything done when you're supposed to have, have it done all right basically <laughs> so yeah evidence it's all good evidence whether it's paid or volunteer do not discount that and I'm saying that to yourself and and anyone else listening to that we do have another hand. Go for it. I think it's the Arkansas Teresa. Five oh one number. Either that or it's Sandy. It's one of the two. Five oh one ending in nine seven four. Star six. Do unmute yourself. Star six to unmute. Okay, here I am. Yeah. Yeah, it is. The I, I to, okay. I wanted to say uh, the person talking about the homesteading. My husband's mother was once married to a man and there for a while they lived um, on a 4-H um, on the county 4-H um, proper, you know, the campground. And they were able to rent the property for free. Now they had to have their own um, like a mobile home, which they did. They had a mobile home and they put it there. But their um, job was to take care of the um, horses, you know, clean the stables and things like that. And, um, you know, they got to live there rent free. Now, he had a job in um, town somewhere, I think, like working for the uh, county school school board, preparing their school buses and doing mechanical work, things like that. And then at one time, one of his brothers was married to a woman and they got to live in this cabin rent free now of course the amenities were there were no real amenities to this cabin mind you but that's another story but they lived there and they had to take care of a um, pig that the owner of this cabin had and they had to take care of the pig and you know clean its stall and everything like that right okay yeah sounds interesting yeah Yeah. so you know wasn't your typical neither of those were your typical nine to five jobs you know, they didn't have to go into an office, except for the um, the ex stepdad who um, worked on the school buses. You know, he was the mechanic. Oh. But um, other than that, though, actually, they kind of the ones that you know lived on the campground. They kind of had it made in a way. You know, not having to pay to worry about the. They just had to pay for their um, mobile home make the payments on it yeah I suppose if they were living in that then it was just the land they were renting they weren't actually renting a house right um, from them. Yeah. yeah so it so explains why they, they were so renting the land fee. but you know they got to live there rent free but they had to yeah. you know feed the horses and clean the stables and things like that and you know keep the campground up because it was the county 4-H campground yeah okay, okay. thanks have- for sharing that we have more uh-huh. hands. Cool. Yeah, Mary. we're going past the hour in case you didn't realize it. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mary. I can hear noises. Yeah, try saying something because I can. I can hear the buttons. She's still muted. Buttoned. Okay. Hello. Hiya. I just wanted to make sure you could hear me. 
Yeah. Um, I've been having some trouble with my microphone. So th thank you very much. That's all I wanted. Okay, so you don't have a question? No, I, I didn't have a uh, My question right. was, hear me. Thank you very much. Right, okay. <laughs> Okay. And she has her hand raised again. Okay. I just wanted to mention, um, you know, when you're looking for a flexible job, um, not only is communication in, in, important, as you mentioned, but thinking outside the box, like the, like the um, Teresa's family members, they thought outside the box and worked for the 4-H camp in, in exchange for living there. You know, you can really think outside the box and find, you know, what do you like to do? Then maybe you can find somebody who wants to exchange that for living arrangements and or stipend. You know, there's some, you know, so yeah. much flexibility there. And so, and I, I will say, yeah, thank you, Jill. I, I will mm -hmm. say that because there's there are lots of arrangements where you can get payment in kind and all of that. But make sure that there are protections for you within that and that there are contracts done because there's a lot of work being done around modern slavery where people are not getting paid at all and, and they've got a roof over their head and so on, but their their labor is being exploited. So it is important that, to that's a good check point. Out, um, check out the the people that you are entering into these relationships in so that no one no one has a hold over you ever. Um, That's a good point. Because like, we need Mary to protect ourselves as disabled Sorry. people, and yeah. and we are whether we like it or not legally, we are classed as vulnerable adults, um, and and there is a certain amount of agelessness in in terms of the protection therein, and and we need to be aware and and look out for ourselves because if something bad does happen. The first thing, maybe not the first thing, but one of the things that might come up in a police interview would be things like, well, you know, what what was the contract then? What were the terms and all of that kind of thing? And didn't you look whoever it was up? And I know it's difficult to do that, especially if you don't have access to tech, but there will be people in your orbit who do. And, and it's about asking for help when, when you need it. So that if something arises um, that you're not... Uh, in uh, between the frying pan or the fire, whatever expression. Yeah, is. that's definitely a good point. I mean, like yeah. Mary and I have a contract, you know, that includes like how much I'm paying in rent, how much of a, you know, balance of, you know, services and goods and, you know, what are my duties and all that. And, you know, we update that. Um, we started with six months and then updated to a year. You know, the six months was a trial. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a definitely a great point. This is why you're running the show, not me. <laughs> yeah i was just gonna um gonna say something about uh notice and and things like that because if it is a sort of i'll take care of you don't worry about this or that then you know things like notice might go out the window and so it's important to set all those sorts of things up and have the conversations with people and and it is hard because you know especially when you've been in the job market or the, the wanting a job for a long time and then you find this sort of seemingly angelic person giving you a gift from god you do want to analyze that gift from god before uh, taking it on um and looking at the you know if things go wrong between us what what are the the processes in place uh for that um and and a quick Side story, I've got a friend who 
has been a nurse for over a decade and she wanted to retrain as a doctor and is nearly finished her second year doing that and she's having problems with a housemate and they're going to be placed together in third and fourth year in the sort of student placement in hospitals and things and she's quite upset about what to do about that and I'm going to write her a very long email later on tonight about log everything if there's a university mediation service you know make an effort well not make an effort but make it like that you've done everything you need to do so that when when you ask to be moved you can prove on paper that you've done everything you need to do um so so yeah nasty stuff does happen as well as lovely lovely stuff um, do we have any more hands before I start we homing in not. on? Okay. Uh, okay, I will just look at people who haven't said anything yet. So, um, Peggy Ann, have you got a comment or question since you haven't said anything yet? And again. Don't act surprised because anyone who's been on my calls will know this is the kind of thing I do all the time. Okay. Tanya Fulford, have you got anything to say slash ask? Um, did you um, say Peggy Ann? I did, yeah. Okay, um, what's the question? Um, I was my, my question was do you have a question or comment um, not this time no um, cool okay right Tanya Fulford have you got a question or comment okay well that it's me time before we end the stream to just remind everyone that I run a call the first Wednesday of every month called Jobs World, which deals with anything job seeking related. And that includes looking at resumes and cover letters and things. So if you have your resume or even if you don't have one and don't know where to start with it, you know, I will help you write it live on the call. If you've had a job interview or you've got one coming up, I can do mock interviews with people. Generally, they sort of bring the job description with them so I can read that and then be an effective mock panel of one. If you have a job and you've got workplace issues, bring them to the call. Um, I also run a call the first Sunday of every month called Are You Being Bullied? And that tackles any bullying issues. I say bullying loosely because various other things have come up during it, including harassment and stalking and, and lots of other criminal stuff. But anything, anything combative that is happening to you or has happened to you or somebody else, we deal with that. So we, we share things in that and also deal with strategies as well of how to neutralise the threat. After this call, but the call that is happening today, there is a session about iPhones, Androids and, and tablets and it's a Q&A. So that sounds very interesting. And later on tonight, there's Braille Buzz talking about Braille products that were featured in CSUN. So that sounds interesting. Given that I'm in the UK, it's far too late 
for me to join that. So I'm hoping there's a recording of that. So that has been we do flex have working. someone who's put their hand back up. Okay, I was going to say that has been flex working, but it hasn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> Beth? Go for it, Beth. Yes, I was just going to ask you, so with any flex work, would that be, um, if you don't have access to a lot of technology, by word of mouth then, or say getting someone that might have access to to technology to, to look for you? The easiest way is to get somebody else to help you look. So there's there's various organizations, especially things like libraries that will have computers in them and, and then there'd be staff on hand to, to, to help you look for work. And then with remote working type jobs, if you make a good enough case to your employer that if you had such and such like a computer or whatever then you would be able to do things more effectively you might be able to get them to finance it I am not intentionally but but contact a sort of you know the government representatives that, that help you with a sort of social care and things like that to see if there are any grants and things for work-related costs that you would have as an employee of an organization and you might be able to get technology that way um, that is uh, there's there's a, a, a scheme which I mentioned earlier that's in the UK it's called access to work and it's literally a government funded scheme whereby employees can can get a, a grant for work-related costs and and it's divided into two it's divided into technology and it's divided into human support so you might need a human support worker who might help you fill out forms or drive you to work or things like that but it is only partly funded by the government the employer has to fund the other bit and that raises questions about well you know if I'm employing you and it costs me more to employ you than the other guy with no disabilities then you need to make you need to sell yourself very very well as to why you're the best person for this job and why you are worth that extra money because you will be able to do the different things and that's slightly off the, the topic of, of this session but I, it just it's just I an extension that of that and, uh, i believe that's why that thing with meaningful work with um you know how they have it in europe how, how they said that it it was getting more attention here in the in the u.s because um there's a lot of meaningful work like you could be a companion to someone or you could uh, you could do stuff because I know oh, sometimes that. in the workplace there is age discrimination, even though they say there isn't, you know. But what usually oh, happens... Oh, there is. You know, there, there, there definitely is. But, um, and not yeah, just age discrimination. Some yeah. jobs, what usually happens in some jobs that, say, the Commission for the Blind finds you is that uh, last in, first out, you know, and then a lot of people oh, lose, right, yeah. lose their brand new jobs. So, um, I know they don't like you to take those kind of jobs that like flex work, but you know, that's okay. If, if you can do it, that's all right. And I think that'll, I'll be anxious to see that movement come, uh, take hold more in America like it is in Europe, you know, the meaningful work. Yeah. So if you're talking about this sort of companionship 
jobs and things or, like or that. Or something like that. I just used that for an example, or a, or a farm hand, or a, you know, stuff that um, a lot of people wouldn't do. Yeah, and and there was uh, definitely a shift um, in the kind of 2009, 2010, and other sort of um, recessions at that time, where a lot of people were out of university and felt overqualified for certain jobs, you know, the, the coffee shop and waiting on people. And, and I tried to um, employ people at that time. I wanted a, a blogger because I was doing my own blogging and it was taking maybe 20 minutes to write an article and four hours to try and post it. Um, and I interviewed some people at the time and, and, and a few of them were like, you know, I've got a degree in, <laughs> I'm overqualified for this. I thought, well, fine. Um, so, so there, there is a bit of that. There's less of that now, I have to say, given everything that has happened over the last several years, people have reassessed what they are and are not prepared to do. And at the other Ooh. end, you've got that sort of meaningful for working where people want to do more with with their time than clock in, do something for a certain amount of time, get paid for it and go home and and, and in a sort of uh, lifelong treadmill of work. And there's also, which I I didn't uh, talk about, where people have multiple jobs. And if there is a flexibility arrangement, it's a little bit easier to have a two-day job and a three-day job and run them concurrently. Uh, But it is important to look after yourself. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, a, it's about it's about managing your own time. Really, there's there's no job that says we'll do this and then you go and do that. It's about I, I'm talking about jobs where you work for this company and then and work for that company and basically do them uh, within the same working week. But that comes right. down to how you manage your own time. And what I was going to say was about looking after yourself. Uh, whether you have health issues or not, it's important to work within your activity envelope so anyone who attends a pain clinic and there there are various things that are called covid clinics that, that do a similar thing to pain clinics your activity envelope is this this is the amount of activity i can do before the pain kicks in or the tiredness or something else just thinking out loud i think that things that, that help with me also deal with this and so it's your activities so it's the physical activities but there's also a cognitive envelope where you can only do a certain amount of time and thinking and all of that for a certain period of time before your cognition depreciates and so it's it's about you noticing when that happens and measuring that for yourself so let's say your cognitive envelope is two hours or something then then you do your activities be they thinking, physical, emotional outlay or whatever, because some of the like caring jobs and mental health things, there will be some emotional outlay. So doing things in an hour, an hour and a half bursts so that you don't exceed your activity envelope and then working yourself into the ground and getting burnout or or fatigue or whatever it is so if if you want to do this sort of uh, having a portfolio career which I have um but then it comes back to me working seven days a week so you know am I making the right choices for myself she says on air um so it's, it's about looking after yourself and maintaining that that balance 
And there's also the gig economy, which I did touch on a bit, although I didn't call it that, where you're you're writing or working in situations where it's a piece rate thing. I mean, myself as a performer, I'll do two days work. I might do a week's work for, for a specific job. And you're bouncing from job to job. And that is, as my family continually reminds me, you chose this. And I did. And I ride the rough with the smooth. And there's a sort of feast famine format, which can happen if you're working for yourself. Let's say coming back to the, the craft business that's that's uh, newly starting. You may well have a feast famine cycle, especially if you're selling seasonal goods like Christmas decorations or, or Easter ones or summer garlands or something like that. I don't actually know what you're going to make, but just be aware there might be a feast famine cycle and you'll need to sort of market yourself accordingly. Um, and coming back to that gig economy type thing where you're doing a job here, a job there, a job somewhere else, and they all have those sort of compact setups, then you also need to look after yourself and, and appreciate the ups and downs with all of that too. Um, so, Tori, do we have any raised hands before um, before we end? No, we, we do not have any raised hands. Okay, well, um, that well, has you. been... You're welcome, Beth. That has been... Flex working and I uh, hope to see some of you or all of you again soon in Jobs World and or are you being bullied? Herbie, you may end the stream.